Hello and welcome to the Sunnydale Study Group. This week we will not be chatting about an episode. Just want to let you know about that right from the get-go. We're going to be chatting about something uh, that's happening in real life, which we'll get to in a second. Uh, but first, quick introductions. I'm Omar. I'm Chris. And today we are so, so happy to be joined by a very, very special guest. It's our friend, actress, and fellow podcaster, Beverly Jean. How's it going? Great. How are y'all? Good, good. I'm all right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I guess good is right. not true. That was a lie. <laughs> weird. I'm weird. Yeah, I'm weird. Yeah. Uh, a lot of feelings to get through, uh, a lot of stuff to chat about. Um, but really quickly, Beverly, we're so glad to have you uh, on today so we can chat about this. Um, we're all three of us are very good friends. Yep. Uh, we talk about Buffy nonstop every time we hang out. Um, mm-hmm. We're also all Hamilton's kids. Hence nonstop. Hence mm-hmm. nonstop. Uh, and we're going to be having you on later in season four. Yep. But My favorite season. <laughs> which is a very hot That's take. That's great. Which no one thinks. <laughs> That's but rare. I'm into it. Literally the only person, uh, save for maybe the actress who played Sunday. Uh, but, <laughs> uh, but because uh, something happened in the world that we need to discuss, we kind of wanted to just Toast. bring you on and just pick each other's brains and chat about it. Um, so in case you didn't know... Uh, Joss Whedon's ex-wife, Kai Cole, who's responsible, honestly, for Buffy the Vampire Slayer happening as a TV show, mm-hmm. um, had a guest blog post slash essay about uh, her marriage and subsequent divorce uh, with Joss Whedon that was published in The Wrap. Um, so you, I highly encourage you checking it out. I highly encourage you reading it. And it covers sort of a lot of issues in terms of um, their marriage, John Sweden as a person, uh, feminist stance throughout his work. And we really want to reiterate, or iterate for the first time, I haven't said it yet in this session, this is a Buffy podcast. And it's not a Joss Whedon podcast. It's also not a celebrity discussion podcast. So we're going to be talking about some issues and some thoughts off of this that don't pertain to the people involved, to the relationship that's involved, uh, or anything of that. There's not going to be any speculation or gossip uh, in that sense. What we're going to be talking about and sharing our thoughts about are, is going to be about fandom, is about the concept of favorites that's kind of going on right now um, that I feel like is different from pre-Twitter <laughs> universe, uh, as well as feminism. And then from those discussions, we're going to kind of jump into what does this mean for Buffy at large? Does, how does this affect us? How does it mean, what does it mean in terms of the sort of greater themes of Buffy? How do we feel about it? And so we'll get to that discussion at the very end. Um, so, yeah, <laughs> that's, that's the crazy <laughs> news to, uh, in a nutshell. Um, so, yeah, I, I wanted to discuss with you guys and collectively... Uh, the idea of fandom mm-hmm. and yeah. sort of what that means. And I guess specifically, I know this bleeds a little bit into like the favorite situation, but like, do you guys think, yes. What do you mean by favorites? You mean like following a certain person? Exactly. Like yeah. Like Lin-Manuel Miranda is my queen, like stuff like that. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. The idea which ties of, into fandom, which well. I think ties into fandom. It's just, it's an interesting thing because I feel like favorite, for me, kind of starts to divert, in terms of how I've seen people use it culturally, diverts from fandom, and then to the point where we have, like, the concept of, like, right. a problematic fave. Because, like, it, it's outside of their creative work. It's exactly. also what they do, like, oh, they visited this place and liked this 
place. Yeah. As opposed to like their work has been really great lately. Yeah. Like it's one thing to be like, this is where they shot Gilmore Girls, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's another thing to be like, Amy Sherman Palladino was at this coffee shop. My, f- I'm in a place where my fave was, yeah. you know? Yeah. It's sort of like being a Beatles fan and Beatlemania. And I think those are a little different. There's a lot of bleed over, but it's a little different. Right. Um, so in terms of fandom, do you guys see fandom as strictly a property-based concept, or do you think it also involves the creatives and their personal lives and personal oh, decisions? Interesting. <laughs> I think that a lot of it comes down to... Is that a problem? Oh, there's apparently a dentist <laughs> just outside the window. And he's got some favorites. Oh, and he does. the good teeth. Yes. He wants to get them all to be like those ones. No room for the Is bad teeth. Is this about teeth. to turn into Little Shop of Horrors? Because there's an eclipse. Yeah. That's oh, God. so true. I didn't see the eclipse. <laughs> Hashtag fandoms. Hashtag blessed. Uh, <laughs> uh, I think it comes down to the urge to cult worship the urge to have i think religion oh, and fandom oh, are gonna, all sort of oh, we're similar we're hopping right into a bacchanalia yeah 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 i think it's all the same impulse got it the idea to get the idea for the human species to gather and celebrate a, a commonly held belief be it religious be it enjoying stories we who exist in the world of like, you know, comic books and superheroes and all that, you know, we do that with lots of things. It's like, you know, the, if you look at like the Ten Commandments, for example, they had the like, don't make engraven idols that are not of God or mm-hmm. whatever that yes. was. But people had the impulse to do that. And so I think that it's like we have toys and we have statues now. It's like we make engraven objects all the time. Mm. Quick question. This is such a tangent and so useless. Oh, I hate but <laughs> as you're making Please. a great point, you just would take advantage. I'm just wondering if like giving Charles and Heston a Hollywood star is a complicated idea because yeah. of that. It sort of yeah, kind of. I don't, I don't know what you're talking about. Oh, okay, <laughs> Charles and Heston. He's it, in Ten Commandments, right? He's yeah, Commandments he plays guy. Moses. Yeah. So he plays Moses, and you know, in um, and he's like, Ten Commandments, make... it's like don't make any engraven idols that are not. God. Omar, he's an actor. Yeah, so I he's guess... He's not Moses. <laughs> I'm sorry, I <laughs> didn't realize that. But he was a pretty good one. <laughs> he was a problematic fave as well. For, yeah, different, yeah. From my cold, dead hands. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, yeah. On your point... Yeah, please. They say that more and more people who are dating and are interested in connecting with someone romantically are taking into account favorite TV shows and favorite things like that Interesting. instead of religion more and more often. <laughs> because if you think about it, it shows core values. It shows like what you value as a person, stuff like that. Yeah. If I ever had a Tinder profile, which I probably won't because I don't like dating apps. It's a weird concept. Also, I don't. <laughs> it's fine. I, in this hypothetical, <laughs> if I did, I think it would just be reboot. <laughs> it would just be, tell us a little about yourself. The show Reboot. I'm sorry. No, I, I said everything I need to say. Thank you so much. <laughs> you know what it is. You can I'll, stay. I'll be sitting at home combing my hair. <laughs> sitting by the phone. <laughs> Waiting for it to ring or jingle Dude, or whatever the kids jingle, are doing. Yeah. Um, but do you understand what I mean? I think that's, it's like, yeah. That's really interesting that it kind of, that a TV show wraps up. And I think this is where fandom is right now. That's totally, that's, yeah. that's such a great way to phrase it. Yeah. Uh, is that, 
it's how we encapsulate and represent a lot of our ideas and beliefs. And like people we like. Yeah, yeah. Because right now I'm struggling to get through the first season of The Office because everyone's so mean, but everyone has convinced me that the first season is like that and then they kind of figure out that they make these it less people British. need to be likable. Yeah, yeah. That they yeah. can't do the British show for an American audience. Right. Mm. And so you're saying that if someone's like, I'm a fan of The Office, there's a kind of a subtext hidden under that. Where Basically, it's like, I'm going through The Office because people I trust tell me I'll like it. Now that's interesting. So it's actually going the other direction. Right. But if I tell someone, like, I love, I recently had this, I said I love Guardians of the Galaxy, and, mm-hmm. I, and this person I was talking to was like, oh, I hate that movie. And I was like, I don't know how to function. I don't know how to handle this new input. Because you start to think, like, oh, like, Guardians of the Galaxy to me is, like, action, but funny, and yes. a little bit heartfelt while trying to be, like, I don't have any feelings, which is my favorite things. Like, right. Because <laughs> I love, like, Juno and Guardians of the Galaxy, and both of those have those things. So it just kind of shows you something about that person and how they mm-hmm. interpret what they see. That's amazing. So do, uh, we're just going to blow through this. Uh, and already I feel like this has been a more, I'm so just going to, I'm going to throw some shade right now. This has been a more productive conversation than everything I've seen on Twitter. Uh, oh, it's been so. Feel free to at me on that. <laughs> Very few people do. Um, in I've general. Been in a, I've been, yeah, I've been reading some. Twitters. Mm. Some things. Mm. Uh, <laughs> do you, okay, do you guys have a favorite or fandom that you don't think perfectly reflects your values? Do you know what I mean? Well, Would I you do consider, now. Well, <laughs> um. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> would you say I mean, Would you say you're a fan of anything that you're just like, I know... I mean, I'll... Like, for example, I watched this movie... I, uh, I was chatting with you guys a little bit last night about it in Hamilton's. I was watching this movie uh, called The Brainiac. Oh, yeah, that's right. Um, which is a really awful film in terms of what the alien is doing. It's a very penetrative alien that is killing out the dynasty of people who burned him. I don't know if he was an alien or not in the beginning. It was very hard to follow. But uh, who burned him at the stake in Mexico due to the Spanish Inquisition. And he was like, in 300 years when the comet comes back, I'm going to wipe out your lineage. And what he does is he freezes men and then makes out with the wives as he seduces them with his alien powers. And then turns back into his alien form and then sucks their brains out through the back of their necks with a very phallic tongue. And I was like, this is bad. But also, like, I'm a little bit living for it because it's a 1950s sci-fi film that has a basis in the Spanish Inquisition. And the alien has, like, PVC pipes for hands and stuff. And I'm just like, I love all of that. (laughs) And I acknowledge that this is terrible. Right. Uh, But I don't know if that's now a popular... Like, I'm just like, if that's a popular concept, you know? Like, well... Like, can you, like, Pulp Fiction and just be like, but also there's all I was actually going to bring up Tarantino. I was, I was. Because <laughs> I was like, Tarantino, Tarantino often will do, like, revenge fantasy stuff, which, and Tarantino's such a good writer, and he has such good monologues, mm-hmm. and I'm a Shakespeare fan, as you know, mm-hmm. and so that really, like, speaks to me. But I'm not always behind the basis of the stories, but I love to watch them. Yeah. Or even, like, yeah. Baby Driver, which is very tropey. Manic yes. Pixie Dream Girl. But it's beautiful, and mm-hmm. it's set to music, and yeah. it's an incredible film that I want to see again, by the way. Hey, 
mm-hmm. just want to go. <laughs> uh, uh, every day, yes. <laughs> yeah, that's a great. Those are great examples. Also, Shakespeare. Not to cut you off, but like, yeah, no, ta- I don't like the ending of Taming of the Shrew. Oh, heck. but I like Taming of the as, Shrew. As someone who's read so many Shakespeare plays, there are so many bad ones. <laughs> this yeah. is what I've learned from this thing. Some of them are real tough. Wait, yeah. Uh, but I would say, saying you're connected to a fandom, you just wouldn't list that. You can say like I like Tarantino films, but you can, you can not go to Tarantino Con if there is such a thing. But I feel like when people say like this is my fandom or mm-hmm. these are my fandoms, they are really connecting with those core concepts. Great. Well, that answered the question. Yeah. That I didn't expect us to have an answer, and we did. Uh, that's a, yeah. I agree. Do you have anything to? Uh, it was cherry a, to it's top a question on that. that We've been kind of discussing over the course of the podcast, I think kind of since the Age of Ultron episode, Mm -hmm. where as the world continues to crumble into (laughs) darkness, I more and more start to beg the question, are we, specifically geek culture, perpetuating a violent world by worshipping violent heroes? Mm -hmm. And I know that... You know, I was talking with, I've talked with many people about this topic at this point. We've talked about it on the podcast. And it seems that the idea comes back to the, uh, the, the justification is that we're watching evil be defeated violently. Yes. However, I do think that on some level that reinforces a non-peaceful impulse. Sure. In people to be like, okay, yeah, you're watching Jon Snow and Game of Thrones be super epic and bite people off in the name of good, and you're cheering for it because you're seeing the evil get defeated, but at the same time, the action that is being cheered for, it, it seems louder. Jon Snow, this is, I'm just gonna use examples that don't happen because. You know, I don't want to spoil anything or whatever, but like, say Jon Snow was like putting a bunch of people, this won't be from that, but say Jon Snow had like, say there was a ship that was sinking and Jon Snow put a bunch of people onto a a raft and sent it to the shore so they could survive. Mm -hmm. You'd be like, oh, great, good work, Jon Snow. Say Jon Snow is going into battle and slicing things in half and chopping them in half and taking off their heads. Audiences roar and cheer. Yeah. So I think that, and especially now in the wake of the Whedon fandom, which is littered with violent heroes mm-hmm. doing specifically, you know, Angel snaps necks, Spike does this, you know, Buffy is cutting people in half. Uh, I, I'm more and more kind of wondering what is, this kind of asking about the moral implications of, of that. And it goes from Lord of the Rings to all of these fandoms. Even Harry Potter, I would say, maybe is actually the best example. No, Doctor Who. Doctor Who? Okay. Because he never uses violence, and he always... He never uses violence, mm-hmm. the Doctor, and he always names that he's not using violence. Mm-hmm. He's saying, I'm purposefully not doing the violence, which would be easier than what I'm going to do, which is to talk to people yeah. and to try and be diplomatic. Also, shout out that now it's... I don't want to spoil anything, but now it's they when we refer to the Doctor in terms of the general, <gasps> right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it just exploded. <laughs> Um, Wait, I had so many things to say. Yeah, sorry, yeah, you had your please. hand raised. Uh, <laughs> um, oh, what's so great about this season of Game of Thrones, and I don't think I'm going to spoil anything by saying this, uh, but close your ears if you need to. We care about so many sides now. 
when we see people fighting, it's not glorified. We're not like, yeah, get him. We're like, wait, no, but don't get that one. (laughs) So it's starting to show us the cost of war. Mm -hmm. I think that's also true in the later episodes of Angel, which I also won't spoil, but you definitely start to be like, wait, is there good and evil? It's all grayscale. Do I want anybody to die? Kind of not. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Demons are just immigrants. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? That's yeah. so... They're just trying to live. That's yeah. a... And then I have something else. Oh, yes. Do it. That's great. Uh, and I'll pocket that sentiment as we transition over to the discussion of favorites. I'm just saying it out loud so I remember it. Please continue. I'm also going to bring up science. There's three psych studies I'm about to lay on you right now. I'm so glad you're here. I'm so glad you're here. I'm an evolutionary psych major, but it's undergrad, so take it with a grain of salt. Um, I There's one study they did that's really old from like the 60s where they had an adult in front of a really young child, like before the child talks, punching like a big blow-up doll and like being violent with it and seeing if the kid would emulate that behavior, and they did. So that was like kind of a correlation between seeing violence and wanting to do it. Monkey see, monkey do. But it could also just be like emulation of someone you look up to, Mm -hmm. um, which is adults for kids. I don't think the adults were related to them. I think it was like the scientists doing that. So it wasn't like their mom. Um, Second, there was this crazy study where they had a town in New Zealand that was such a small population, they could use the whole town as their sample size. Of course. And they looked at the effects of violent video games on kids and their violence. And they found that there was not a correlation to kids being more violent and playing violent video games. Third, uh, this is only kind of related, but it's something I think about a lot. They did studies with rats of a population with a lot of resources and not as many rats and a population with little resources and, like, too many rats to see the effects of overpopulation and fighting for resources. Resource scarcity, I think, is the word. And you can guess the one where they had a lot of resources, there was not as much turmoil. But in the one where resources were scarce, they saw, like, uh, an increase in violence and fighting and, like, um, I think... I don't remember exactly, but homosexuality and cannibalism amongst the rats. Interesting. So these are all just things that I think about. But I think a lot of the time, the problems, the big problems that affect the world today could have to do with feeling like, resor- feeling like resources are scarce and worrying that we don't have enough for what we need, which we feel in Hollywood mm. all the time. Yes. <laughs> Yes, that's so true. Yeah. That's it. I'm yeah. sorry. No, that's great. Why would you apologize for sharing knowledge? Bob dropping. <laughs> Ruining your life and perspectives. Before we switch off of fandom, fandom too, I think the, the gathering and the way that worship occurs, and the word worship, I think, is an appropriate word mm-hmm. because it's kind of what the practice is in yeah. these fandoms uh, you know the the events that we're discussing today have definitely made me rethink that on a large scale yeah and whether or not it's healthy i certainly think um worship or favorites as mm-hmm. you're saying as we're labeling it is not healthy because Everyone who's a real people person, not a character, is 
telling you what they want you to see them as yeah. as far mm-hmm. as the media goes. And even people we like idolize in our life. Like when I was a freshman in high school, I idolized all these seniors mm-hmm. in my high school who are just people. Mm-hmm. I just thought they were like the best actors. And now as I'm like growing older, I'm like, they were just people. That's so silly. Yeah. It's, it's something that's very, I think that's very troubling to me. And this is a perfect transition into the discussion of uh, the concept of favorites. Um, which makes me feel really old saying, because I don't, I don't use, I don't have any favorites. And it's like not, like, was not part of my vocabulary in terms of like forming like opinions about like media and stuff like that. Yeah. I get, like Heroes, I think, was probably what I would have used in place. Like, these are my heroes. Oh, yeah, yeah. But I wouldn't say favorites. And I think something that happens there, I'll just throw this out. And then I have a question to ask you guys uh, in terms of sort of your own personal stuff. But like, I think with a favorite, it's very internalized. And I think that's where a lot of this confusion and hurt and pain is coming from in yeah. terms of these revelations. Is that like, it's what does this mean for me? Yeah. yeah. Because I feel like you put a lot into it. And it's something where it's just like, if like Lin-Manuel Miranda, who's like your favorite, doesn't pay attention to you, what does that mean about you and your opinions about this person? Or this, like, th- that shouldn't demean your understanding of the universe and your observations and stuff like that but for some reason it does in a way mm-hmm. and I'm even though I don't use this word it does like I don't know if I bumped into someone that like I really admired and they were a complete jerk to me it would really hurt me but like why you know like it's not because I didn't get a career opportunity out of it that I was expecting or something like that it's because I think it invalidates my opinion which means I can't really trust myself uh, I see I see you know so it's you like are... cognitive dissonance that I think I'm smart and can tell when people are good but now you've proved that wrong and now I'm scared I think so and I think that's mm-hmm. kind of what I'm seeing and the discussion which we'll get to sort of towards the end of this because I think it's really embedded in the concept of feminism um, in the show but people who are really having to separate a creator from the art mm-hmm. or at least someone who is involved with the art that they were part of mm-hmm. uh, that people <laughs> but the fact that those so weren't separated intimately, yeah. I, I think that I think that's what's interesting about favorites for me is like those aren't initially se- separated <laughs> you know like Lin-Manuel Miranda is not Hamilton <laughs> okay he played Hamilton that was a bad example in terms of <laughs> trying to describe that, it but you get what I'm saying mm-hmm. like, <laughs> I think that the, with the Joss example Joss is I think very specifically linked to his work yeah. in the sense that many creators are close to their stuff. With him, because there haven't really been these new properties over time, and like Avengers, I wouldn't count because that's not his idea. Right. But, you know, at Whedon Con and stuff like this, we've spent 20 years reinforcing his relationship to his stories. So now that you know, we're discussing, you know, Kai's letter and how that affects our feelings about this person that we have idolized or worshipped or had as a favorite. Mm-hmm. Um, it feels, it's hard, for me, it's hard to separate it from from the work. Where, I'll ask you guys this, um, where do you think that comes from or where's the logic of that? Of if what? that makes sense, of linking a human being to a bit of art. Well, I mean, he's a writer. Yeah. And I think it's more specific because he's a writer. I mean, cinematographers, mm-hmm. certainly, you get to see their eye to it. Mm-hmm. But like a writer, you get to see their brain. Right, right. 
And it's just sheer right. amount of hours spent. Like in the Comic-Con culture, there has been so many occasions or interviews and stuff like that where it wasn't like this was a writer that he was also a, a personality. I think that's what's... And I think... Someone can, that people would gather in rooms and wait for hours to hear speak on these same topics yeah, over the course of years. It might even be years. an easier conversation now than it was 10 years ago because we've had the rise of personalities that are strictly personalities on YouTube mm-hmm. and different media platforms who are just like, I am just a personality. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, instead of like, I'm not creating content you can latch right. onto. Literally, it's just my voice and certain gesticulations takes. I have. Yeah, and takes and like these sorts of opinions. And I wonder if that's flat because what's really interesting to me is the response every time uh, the milkshake duck situation. Can you explain that? Yeah. So not mil- everyone's going to know what that is. <laughs> uh, which it's was a full a, discussion a last thing. night. It's not uh, a thing. So milkshake duck is just... Uh, from my understanding, and keep in mind, I am the Giles in any situation, <laughs> hanging out with a bunch of college kids and just being like, I can play the guitar. Um, you guys want to, if you need my books, uh, I can lend them Only to you. Only Who songs. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh boy, talking about problematic faves. Um, Talk about crushes. Woo. <laughs> <laughs> um, but in terms of, so that is, the shorthand is, Milkshake Duck is a character, and then it's just like, you love Milkshake Duck, and then a few minutes later, we regret to inform you that Milkshake Duck is a racist. And that's just <laughs> sort of, it's just like, you love this thing? It's just like, oh, really quickly, we dug up some old tweets. And I believe, as it was being explained by a future guest working on the podcast, uh, it was in reference to Ken Bone originally, oh, okay. who was a guy that it feels like we experienced 15 years ago, but it wasn't. Merely that months. was not even a year ago. Oh, God. Dear God, why is time dragging on so slowly? Mm. But um, the idea, I don't know. I, I, it's interesting to me that we kind of get very binary. Okay, here's something I really want to discuss. Okay, and okay, I know okay. that we're running a little bit out of time, but this is, I think, to focus on in terms of favorites. I feel like we get very binary in terms of personalities hmm. or famous people that we associate with. Moffat, Joss Whedon, I'm trying to think of a few other examples. I mean, I'll throw Quentin Tarantino in there. Um, Sofia Coppola recently. And I feel like it's this thing where it's like this person's famous and then they do something. And in this instance, I think it's a horrible, very horrible thing, especially through the perspective of Kai. And I loved how she was able to explain it. Um, But it's something where it's anytime someone does something that's not great or maybe offends the perfection that we have around them, everyone gets grouped and thrown into one slammer. For example, I don't think that, and I'm not trying to, go too into this, but I don't think that Joss and Tina Fey are in the same boat, but because Tina Fey made a joke that people found problematic and everything that's come out about Joss, I feel like it's like, oh, they go into the bad faves pile. Right. Mm-hmm. Whereas I still have a few good faves that I'm holding on to. Please don't tarnish them or ruin them. Right. I think that's an odd discussion instead of being like, but I think, I think right. Tina Fey's I think a little bit out of think. touch. I think that's what people do. is like, that's suddenly Tina Fey's bad instead of and I think that's a result of like Twitter or having to crunch ideas into statuses instead of being like, this is what I didn't like about this. This person comes from this background. I think that this is why. Or Sofia Coppola doesn't seem to focus on this. Or Lena Dunham doesn't seem to focus on this stuff. Why, instead of saying like, let's dive into it, I think it's more of like, well, they go in the bad pile. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Why do you guys think that happens? I think, <laughs> I huge think that... I feel as though 
like there's this weird kind of cultural change i don't know if the, that's happening amongst like the web and instagram and twitter and this like collective <laughs> this collective interconnected body and that people are now fused in a weird way that we've never been before yeah. besides like the last decade right and it's come to a point where because of i think a general cloud that hangs over the world right now in like the Trump era mm-hmm. in which someone of that style can be allowed to have hold a position of supposed respect the presidency and i think that that has kind of given a daily everything sucks background <laughs> sure that sure. influences the way that the lens that almost everything is viewed now at least if there are those who are part of the internet discussion because i'm sure that there are people who live in a nice wood cabin in the middle of some forest somewhere and, you know, survive and have their tree-sitting spots. And probably, to them, the world is still functioning. You're describing my brother. Yeah. (laughs) I'm sure that that's a nice way to live. Is he a dryad? No. (laughs) But, oh no, maybe. (laughs) Now that I think about it, maybe. (laughs) I think that we're... Teaching each other to be so quick to just, if anything bad occurs, especially from a favorite, someone who's in a position of public power, it's like, I think that it's now society's impulse reaction to just be like, okay, Shut it down. Now we need to remove them. I think humans also have, crave simplicity and rules. Right. Yes. I mean, that's why D&D has a <laughs> so nerdy. That's why D&D has alignments. You're amongst friends. But <laughs> I know. It's, it's the world I'm worried about. Um, if but, they listen to this. <laughs> you're right. What am I saying? Wheelhouse. But um, I also think we do have an overabundance of information. Yes. And wow. that's new, yes. which is what you just mentioned, the past decade. Floodgates of just... And it's interesting because it's... When after the election, I remove myself. I'm I'm not on Facebook really at all, um, and I'm I've really cut down like my Twitter stuff unless I just think of like twenty jokes about James Blunt lyrics where I'm just like, <laughs> yeah, I'll do this one. Um, <laughs> Omar just looks so satisfied with himself. <laughs> there was a reason where I just I realized he said my life is beautiful tw- and my life is brilliant twice at the beginning of You're Beautiful, and I was just like, why? Like he was like. My life is brilliant. And it goes on. <clears throat> uh, my life is brilliant. <laughs> so what a weird thing to do. I have to call that out. Um, but getting off that, I realized that I didn't lose any information, which is really interesting. I didn't lose any news. I'll put it that way. I felt like I didn't mm, lose any news. Got it, got it, got it. But I did lose information. Yes. But I can't say that Gossip. I... Yeah. Yeah. Jeez, may. Like, I... I, uh, I, I didn't get the flood of opinions and takes and stuff that have to be shortened down and packaged. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But I didn't lose news. Mm -hmm. And that was very interesting to me. Um, But in terms of, yeah, I I think it is like we really want to boil it down, especially right now, you have to get it in quick, right? Like you have to get your opinion in quick. You don't have to, like we have the benefit of podcasts and having those resources and we can talk for, you know, uh, 40 minutes about something like this. 
But if you're really trying to get that out there as soon as possible, then you'd have to do that. I pers- This is my personal take, um, and then we'll transition out a little bit with a question I have for you guys uh, after Beverly says something. I-, I personally am going to refrain from expressing an opinion or a take or whatever on social media from now on. And I know that might sound like I'm silent on certain things, but if it's something really simple like Nazis or idiots... I know. Easy. I know. Oh, easy. That's fish mm-hmm. in a barrel. Uh, <laughs> that's... Nazis are bad. You can quote me on that. I'll you you can tattoo Nazis are Nazis are idiots dash Omar and you're 100 correct. But in terms of something like this, I have so much, so many thoughts and so many questions, yeah. and I want my ideas to develop. I can't do it in the first hour I read something. I can't do it in the first week really that I read something mm-hmm. without feeling confident that I can stand by this, which is why I want to ask more questions and just keep it going. Um, so yeah, I don't know. That's my personal take on like squishing stuff. I know you had something to say. Did you want to discuss fallen heroes and how we feel about their art? That is, yeah. You know what? Let's because hop- I have a real good take on this. Great. I, I want to right before we do that because I yeah, think it's so do good. Your other thing. I want to ask you guys something, Please. and I yeah. to open it up, and because I feel like a lot of it also is when it comes to favorites, it's pointing fingers at this person's bad. And every time I see something, I always ask like, "What am I doing to hurt people?" Oh shit! Am oh, I? No. <laughs> <laughs> I have it. Thank you for that. And all of you should live in the Omar state of paranoia for the rest of your lives. Uh, oh that's always, it's always like, if someone didn't realize how much they were hurting someone else or weren't doing mm, something or were okay. uh, <laughs> blocking this stuff out of their head, I, my thing is always just like, I don't get anything from being like, this person's not great. Because mm-hmm. I feel like every human is not great. That's just sort of how I live. It's always like, what are they doing that maybe I'm possibly doing as well? Interesting. What do you guys, just to break a little bit, to provide a little bit of slowing the cycle. What do you guys think is something that's public, publicly perceived about you that's not true? And it doesn't have to go super deep uh, and just like, you guys didn't know this horrible thing happened in my life that I never talk about. Not that, but just maybe something that people would see you on Twitch or listen to your podcast and just be like, oh, this person's life is like this or this person's personality is like this. When we have an opportunity right now to be like, whoa, 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 That's we're a lot more complex than that. Hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Maybe think about it. Let's talk about Fallen Heroes, but maybe at the very end we can kind of... I think I might know. Oh, okay. Well... I'm scared, but I might know. <laughs> okay, great. This is what we're here for. Full of fear. <laughs> what do you think, Chris? Um, specifically with the Twitch audience, I feel like... Perhaps the perception is that I'm like this confident, happy individual. Sure. And I'm often happy, and I think that I have a core perspective of how blessed I am to have been given this specific life. But I also mostly spend the majority of days kind of like criticizing myself and feeling ashamed and afraid that I am awful. Mm -hmm. And that's like kind of my main state of thought, which is really frustrating. I think that many who like encounter me with regularity know that, but I bet that specifically the Twitch audience doesn't Mm. know that. I can see that. Because they're like a faraway public. Because they're far away and they're like, oh, it's Chris and he's singing songs or he's talking about monsters and he looks like he's having a good time. I've gotten better at not responding to trolls. Mm -hmm. There was one time where I was just completely broken by a troll. 
It was like, that, yeah. no. Yeah. <laughs> and I shouldn't have been. Yeah. But I was like there in the middle don't of a Twitch show. And then this, I, and it was like a troll isolated me. No, yeah. No, don't ever tell yourself you shouldn't. Because like yeah. you feel your feels. Yeah. Feel it's the not, feels. That's not fair. I mean, I didn't want, yeah. I shouldn't have like, as Reached it goes forward, that. it's like this, the mean person gets the attention. And that's their function. Right. Mm-hmm. Is that they're like, I'm going to choose to be a bully. And I will be the one that of the... Hundreds of people watching this, I will be specified because I'm mean as opposed to the many people who are saying nice things. Yeah. So I think that in that day, like there was that guy, he called me, it was the brown shirt guy thing. Yeah. I was wearing a brown shirt and this one guy was like, oh, this brown shirt guy sucks. Like he's got to get out of there. And so then it became like a joke amongst the chat room. Like whenever I'd wear a different shirt, they'd be like, what happened to brown shirt guy? And they're like, oh, yellow shirt guy's doing all right tonight. So... It was very supportive in that sense, but maybe that's the answer. I think it's a great answer. Yeah. Yeah. And I'll just say really quickly, uh, I know a lot of people say squeaky wheel gets the grease. For me, squeaky wheel always gets replaced with a better wheel. It's just <gasps> oh. how I feel. Oh. Take that. Put it in your pocket. How about you, oh, Beverly? I'm all right. <laughs> no, I mean, <laughs> Still full of fear. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I don't really have a pu- I don't really have a public audience, so I haven't. I mean, I have a podcast, but it's for Shakespeare nerds. That's a smaller percentage than Buffy nerds. Uh, but if I were to pick something, um, it's kind of uh, oh god, how do I put this? Because it's both of these things are so specific, but two things come to mind is uh, my confidence in my friendships. Because mm-hmm. I know that I have friends, I'm not worried about that. But every time I throw a party, I'm like, what if no one shows up? Uh, like you yeah. know how like Sims yeah. have like once, and if like no one comes to their party, they like go down two levels or whatever. That's how I feel every time I throw a party, just in <laughs> case. Um, what a great way to put that. <laughs> and also uh, with my talents, because. I come from a place where everyone can sing and everyone is pretty. Mm-hmm. I'm from Santa Barbara. And um, so like I have kind of a skewed perspective of my talents. And it's not really until I moved to LA and I bike most places and sing on my bike. So strangers and my co and I also sing at work, let's be honest. Mm-hmm. And my coworkers have heard me sing and they go, Oh my God, your voice is so cool. Or your voice is amazing. And I'm like, it is. I, great because i'm not i can't stop singing but right. i'm glad that you also like it right so i don't know and you yeah you might be giving off like the look at me i'm great but inside you're just like this I'm is in my head sing. and i have to sing it yeah yeah and most of the time i don't realize i'm singing it and they're like oh what's that from and i'm like was that out loud <laughs> this is embarrassing it's hamilton but it, it's just embarrassing huh also, about- Nelly Furtado wanted to see me sing. Yeah, that's great. That is <laughs> awesome. awesome. But I didn't have any gigs. <laughs> it was a good, good sad time. Yeah, I, I have that as well. Sort of like, well, thank you for your compliments. Are yeah, you sure? <laughs> I think, uh, think, think this train's over, kids. I'm gonna head back east and join a lobster boat. Yeah, we've had. Is that your backup? Mm-hmm. That's backup's lobster boat. Oh, my backup's veterinarian. Oh. You guys have. First of all, you guys have backup, so trash on both your houses. (laughs) Recycling, Omar. This is California. What about you, Omar? That's a great question. I was your question. It was my question. So I think that um, great question. If someone just like publicly facing Omar seems to have great questions, you're right. Uh, (laughs) I I have a feeling that people think I'm friendlier and more. No, that's not true. I'm very like. 
parents are British, and also my parents are immigrants, mm. so it's like very like be polite, like mm. or, or you're gonna get hit with a shoe to your face. Oh. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's a friendly life learning shoe. It's not, and it's usually. I thought sandal. it was more like British like manners, but no, it was. I mean, it's a, a mix. Direction. It's like very uh, British Indian, uh, <laughs> with like a dash of like like Muslim guilt, which is a lot like Catholic guilt, but like just a little like more strict in a weird way was it minor keys like yes <laughs> exactly exactly that's a great way to put it uh so i would probably say that i'm not as i think people are just they make assumptions and they're just like you're very normal and i'm not i feel like you guys know that i'm not like i'm a yeah. very i don't know i feel like i still don't know oh, okay. i think you're normal i have like i don't know i just go on is weird I don't know. I'm not. I think maybe also people think I'm a little bit more well thought out and responsible than I am. Mm. And I, I'm very. Oh God, I'm trying to think of how to say this with with the understanding without getting dumped into like a good or bad binary. I, and I don't know if this is everyone. I won't speak for everyone. I suspect it is, but I have very horrible, racist and sexist and homophobic and transphobic thoughts, like all the time that pop into my head, and I'm just like, don't. That's not good. That's like society doing this stuff. And it'll be a thing where like, I just grew up with friends being like, that's true, it's gay or whatever. And then I would say that. And at a certain point, I was like, don't say it. What are you doing? Mm. And every so often, like, and I'm not saying I ever thought to say those things, but I will, I'm constantly checking my biases, but that doesn't mean they're not there. I think mm. that's also a symptom of being a writer and like a comedian. Oh, yes. Because, like, your brain is like, you need to think of these things. We'll pull you back when we need to. Yeah, that's a very, yes, that's And so, so that's what true. your brain's doing. Yeah. It's telling you, don't say that out loud. You're a jerk. Yeah. But also, tone that down and let's make a joke. Right, right. And I know there's some people, like, I'm, uh, we haven't had Mark on the podcast yet, but, like, I'm hanging out with a friend, Mark Rank Williams, who worked on Warehouse 13 um, and a few other shows. And then me, I was just like, for example, I was, like, trying to school them, and it did not work. And I was like, for example... When I say thief, what do you guys picture? Like, what race do you picture? And I was doing some college hot take, and they were just, both of them were just like, cats. <laughs> that was their answer. So, like, all right, you guys are better people than I am. You guys are much better people than I am, and I need to acknowledge that I am <laughs> different in that regard. I think I'm just probably more complex and not great, and I just, I'm constantly molding like a role model persona. But I think in that the trans in the translation of that it gets lost that I'm not a good person <laughs> inherently in my core, but I'm trying to do good things. I think is I think that you're a very good person. Oh, thank you. I think that's wrong, but, <laughs> but I think that you the reason that that perception is held is because you create it, right? And I think that ultimately create that which perception that you are a person that is good and fighting for good, and I think that you are doing that. I think that you just experience your own internal fight against it, but you don't right. put that out into the world. Let's talk then for the next f- three five minutes, minutes, five minutes, back, <laughs> um, which means I Four think seven. we're going to have to push off uh, one of our discussions until a little bit later, but that's fine because I think it's not something that can be shortened into 10 or 15 minutes. I say we dedicate another 40, at least mm-hmm. 40 minutes mm-hmm. to the conversation about Buffy feminism and where we're going forward in terms oh, of like what that means. Because that's, yeah. that's a huge discussion um, that I really, really want to have, especially with you, Beverly. I know. But let's talk about for just three or four minutes, Fallen Heroes. How do mm-hmm. we feel about, I would say, not necessarily how we feel about Fallen Heroes. About but their art. Exactly. How does that influence their art? What do you guys think? I have had this conversation with my coworkers, mm-hmm. so I'm ready. Uh, we weren't discussing Joss Whedon stuff. We were discussing 
uh, oh my god, his name fell out of my head. Uh, Annie, uh, Annie Hall. Oh, Woody, Woody Allen. Allen. We were talking about Chris and I were just talking about Woody Allen right yeah. before this. We were talking about Woody Allen, and we were talking about Stephen Moffat. Well, I was talking about right, Stephen right. Moffat. Right, right. Showrunner Doctor Who. And I kind of came to the after some thought that I'm problematic. Always, it's always problematic. Mm-hmm. But I think I can. I start to dislike the art or like get frustrated with watching it if what things are problematic about them affects the art. There you go. So like Stephen Moffat, a lot of the stuff about him is like he's kind of closed-minded and says weird things about gay people or women. Yes. And I think you can see that in the storylines he writes for women. Yes. And then it makes me itch when I start thinking about it. Um, Woody Allen is like too deep and dark for me to really get into it. <laughs> That's to like be his his thought process. Is I haven't watched. Yeah. I literally haven't watched a Woody Allen movie since I learned that, and I was like, I can't do this. Yeah. Um. So I don't know how to feel about that one, but I think in particular, That's a great Moffitt, rule of thumb. That it's like if the thing that has kind of come to light right. affects the art. Like if Tarantino, it came out that he was a serial killer, I'd be like, Oh, I don't know how I feel about his movies anymore. Because then he's just like Murder's Gray. Right. Yeah. And like watching yeah. Pulp Fiction is like Murder's Gray. Yeah. yeah. He was. Yeah. He was it's living like out fantasies. What about manifesto, you? which is the word I <laughs> <Right>. mean. <laughs> Six people I... used the word manifesto to me this week. Not about anything serious. So it's... That's amazing. I started writing my own manifesto about an art movement. That's mm. crazy. It's Noir. in the air. Mm. Yeah. Uh, how about you, Chris, in about a minute? Um, I'm feeling a little shattered by it. <laughs> sure. I'm feeling a little shattered by the Joss revelations. I think that it's going to be hard initially and I know that we're going to be having this discussion with many mm-hmm. Buffy fans and people who are also similarly influenced by the work because there's so many good people who are and I think that it's still kind of processing through my head it's kind of making me reflect on some of the recent discussions we've had on Angel and the characterization of Cordy in that first season yes because <laughs> it is very problematic how Cordy is dealt with on that show in what uh, way? In, I'm sorry. She know. just is very often... It's kind of like if the concept of Buffy was to empower the stereotype in the horror films, mm-hmm. I feel like Cordy in the early seasons of Angel is... Drops that baton. Mm-hmm. Drops that baton so mm-hmm. much and that she's so regularly put in these... Like, Stereotypes. Yeah, stereotypical yeah. situations where she is powerless and doesn't feel like a feminist character from a universe that is supposed to be a champion for feminist right. storytelling. So I'm I I'm going to have trouble separating the two. I understand. Um, yeah. and yeah, it, it's it's like I feel like a little bit a little bit like Legolas in uh, Lothlorien at the moment that you know <laughs> you know the grief is still too near. It's right. still <laughs> Oh, I, and little, I would be, I think I'm, be. I'm still. If anyone, if I seem like I'm yammering like a fool on this episode of Sunnydale Study Group, it's because I am not well. Well, yeah, <laughs> I'm I, having trouble. I think I would be very concerned, or I just wouldn't believe you if you had already come to like a full blown yeah. conclusion. Yeah. Um, my sort of stance on it is, I think that nothing is perfect, and that the crazy, like we have this idea that like art, and then by proxy, the artists can be perfect in some regard and there can be some like 
fantastic. It's just like, and now we fully represented every viewpoint and everything. Mm -hmm. That's impossible. Mm -hmm. It's mm -hmm. impossible. It's, and like film by nature and television just can't do stuff because you have to cut between things, which means that there's a whole moment where a camera had to turn or be, you know, moved and the lighting had to change. So the whole thing has huge gaps in the middle. So anytime someone is saying like, well, this thing finally represented women, I'm just like, I, I, that's a huge statement. Like, which women are you talking about? Like, are we thinking about the socioeconomic? Oh, that's such a douchey term that was used in Beer Bad. Uh, but like, are we talking about like people of different classes? Are we talking about people in different situations? Uh -huh. um, and the answer is, we can't cover 100% of it. It has to be an ongoing conversation. And humanity will always be an ongoing conversation. And I think that if you see someone and you're like, this person's really good, it's you can always find something not great about them. Or so not not in terms of not great, but something that would defy the definition of perfection. Because mm -hmm. it's impossible. Mm -hmm. um, and I think the idea of like hero worship gets really challenging there because we want to do it. But when you have a human do it and not like Captain America, even though now, God, we can go on about that. But, <laughs> you know, like we can create a character that then we can project everything into it. Yeah. We can't do that with a person. No. I, I don't think we can do it with a body of art as well. And we have no one to blame. With a character, you can be like, the writers didn't do this right. Yeah. With a person, I'll believe in God. Yeah. <laughs> I can't be like, God did it wrong. Mm, yeah. yeah. I agree. I agree. So that's my say. In terms of fallen heroes, it's, I think, something that's going to be inevitable as long as you have a hero yes. and you're not turning off, you're not putting on blinders. Because if you're putting on blinders and you're like, this is going to represent strictly yeah. middle class people in this group that didn't have to go through these things in life, then yes. But otherwise, you know, there's people only have a tiny little flashlight that can shine in the huge vastness of our universe. And we all need to shine our flashlights together to even get an idea of what human life is like. Mm -hmm. And saying that one person can do that, you're going to run into huge issues. At the same time, don't right. be a douche. Don't gaslight people. Ugh. Don't be abusive. Don't lie to people that you're close to. I think those are pretty easy. <laughs> be honest. Just be honest. And speak up. People would rather you hurt them now than later. Yeah. So, yeah. yes. Yes. Yeah. Um, we have so much more to talk about. I think that maybe this is only a part one of a later discussion. <laughs> <I'm so sorry. laughs> I know that you have to go. And yeah. also, let's let us sit and digest and even think about these ideas yeah. and come back to them later. We're going to have mm -hmm. you back on to chat about Love it. Love it. Um, so we'll do some closing stuff in a second, but really quickly, uh, Beverly, where can they find you and your podcast? You can find my podcast on iTunes or Podomatic. It's called Shaky Understanding. It's about Shakespeare with a little bit of improv. And you can find me at Beverly Actress, B-E-V-R, whoa, <laughs> B-E-V-E-R-L-E-E -E -E, Actress at all of the social meds. All the Sochmeads. Oh, God, I would drink a Sochmead right now. <laughs> I'm going to go pick up a Sochmead. Chris, in 30 seconds, where can I find you? Hey, guys, Chris Bermonti here. I'm Montioc on Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. And on the Gauntlet on Thursdays on Hyper RPG. And Robot Teammate, my musical improv group. We have a musical, Turbulence. It's going to be off-Broadway in October from the 12th to the 23rd. Come check it out if you're on the East Coast, please. Hamiltons. We did one again this Sunday. It was awesome. Whoop, whoop. We're going to be doing them as often as people come, yep, at yep. least... For now. So come along. And if you want to start your own, start your own. Great. Uh, I'm Omar. You can also find me at Omar Najam. Also, if you go over to the Twitter at 2 Geeks number 2, uh, I'm doing something called Nerdy Worms. I'd love for everyone to be involved. This is Sunnydale Study Group. You can find us at SSG Podcast as well as Sunnydale Study Group on Facebook and Instagram. So please, if you want to send us any of your thoughts, we'd love to read them out loud. A lot of you guys have sent in your Summer of Riley thoughts. We are going to be talking about them next week and chatting all about that. 
and we have so many more thoughts and so many things to say. We just want to send all our support out to everyone in, who listens and is part of the community. And thank you so much for just having this conversation and chatting about this. And we're going to be continuing to talk about Buffy and life things as we do. And that's the purpose of the podcast. And there's a lot of life things to chat about. Uh, so, again, thank you so much, Beverly, for joining us. Happy to be here. And we'll probably have you again very soon to continue this conversation. All right, guys, take care of yourselves. We'll see you next week.